Well, we are live, pals, and welcome to another edition of Count It Out with Mike and Tyler. I am Tyler, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Mojito Mike. Mike, how you doing, my friend? Uh, no Mojito tonight. Uh, I'm, a, I'm nothing for the next uh, 15 minutes. I, I threw two beers into the freezer. Ah, uh, how you going to survive? Actually, not even beers. I, I got some Rattlers going tonight. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, I am drinking water tonight. Uh, for all of our listeners out there, uh, happy Canadian Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, we just celebrated our Thanksgiving this weekend. Hopefully, you guys all had some nice time with the family, uh, if you were able to because of COVID, whatever. But if not, if you had a good meal, spend some time with some loved ones or, you know, FaceTime, however we had to do it this year. We did a little mini Thanksgiving dinner at my house last night with just myself and and, uh, the lovely girlfriend, and uh, we had the company of four bottles of wine, so I'm drinking water today. (laughs) And let's be honest, man, nothing's worse than a wine hangover. Oh, it's terrible. I have not been a wine hangover in a while. I will take, I I could drink, like, fuck, back uh, back in August when we did our SummerSlam show, you, I sat right next to you and drank. A, a two four, yeah. And I felt like a million bucks the next morning. I could sit there and fucking pound back. I watched you pound back a fucking forty at goddamn JD, and you were fine <laughs> the next morning. You, if I was to pound a, bo- a bottle of Merlot, especially fucking red wine, I am useless the next day. Well, we got into a little bit of everything, but I did for the first time ever drink a bottle of tragically hip wine. I had by yeah. a century. It was you, uh, it you, you, drank, you drank three bottles of tragically hip wine. Well, we mixed up the bottles a little bit. I I saved the hip wine for special occasions, and I thought this was a special occasion. So we opened up a little bit of hip wine last night. Played a little bit of hip on the playlist. Uh, not not a bad wine. I'm not gonna lie. But again, that was bottle number three, so it might have been terrible for all I know. <laughs> uh, well, so anyways, you let you led me astray. I thought you drank. A full bottle of each of the three tragically hip wines they have out. No, no, we uh, we did not do that. We we decided to stick with the white wines last night, and uh, I'm what, I'm definitely feeling every second of it. Because what do they have out? They have a rosé. They have what? They have a cab sauf. They have a rosé. They have a chardonnay, and they uh-huh. have a I believe it's a cab sap. I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. But either way, it was a hell of a Thanksgiving. We hope all you guys had a great Thanksgiving from our Canadian listeners. Uh, and, you know, I think I can speak on behalf of you, Mike, that uh, we are very thankful for all of you guys and the support you've given us. And uh, in the words of a great comment that uh, Danny Franchise left on our Facebook page, I am thankful that I, I, I ain't Ricky Rude. Mwah. So good. Yeah, huge. Uh, that. And thank you for for uh, for posting that uh, phenomenal uh, Thanksgiving package, the the famous Thanksgiving package from WWF uh, on our Facebook the other day. It, 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 I need to watch that every Thanksgiving. Yeah, if you guys haven't had seen that, head over to our Facebook page. I counted out seven uh, back in the nineties and the eighty nine. I believe I posted one from eighty nine. Uh, at the Survivor Series pay-per-views, they would always start with uh, every captain of the team or a couple bit players on the Survivor Series teams saying what they're thankful for. And, and it's fantastic. You know, uh, Rick Martel, thankful for being good looking. Like, yeah, there are some good ones on there. Go, go over to the Facebook page and check it out. Um, while we're talking about special occasions, I want to give a really quick shout out 
to someone who I'm sure is not even going to listen to the show, but I'll do it anyways. Uh, today is the uh, birthday of my beautiful, wonderful wife, uh, Lauren. So, uh, so happy birthday to her. Absolutely. Happy birthday, Lauren. Thank you for allowing Mike to play with me on the Count It Out <laughs> podcast. Uh, let's get into business, man. Um, today we are continuing our Halloween theme, as you could hear by the uh, Gangrail entrance music there. And we're going to be counting down the top seven uh, Halloween theme gimmicks. Is that how we're putting it? Uh, sure, yeah. The, the top seven um, scary gimmicks, Halloween horror gimmicks, whatever you want to say. Yeah, uh, anything that instills fear, you know. We're gonna go top seven horror themed gimmicks. That's what we're calling it because I've already made the artwork for the episode. We might as well call it the hardest list Mike has ever had to put together. Yeah, this one I think is gonna. This is gonna be one I think that's gonna be greatly debated because there are a lot of big time players, and there are a lot of you know mid card acts that just had great Halloween or scary gimmicks. So I'm excited to see what you came up with. There is no fucking way i'm not going to catch heat for this list in one way or another because there's no right way to do this list so dude i have like 28 fucking honorable mentions and i can't wait to talk about all of them i can't wait to hear what your number seven is but before we get there let's talk about what's going on in the world of wrestling right now uh let's start off with the wwe and the wwe draft Uh, what are your thoughts on on some of the moves they made mike I'm going to have to let you hold this one, man. I, I have not been uh, paying attention to WWE as much as a couple of the other promotions. Um, I mi- I did not watch Raw or SmackDown this week. I caught the, the clip notes. Um, I know they broke up uh, the New Day. I know they broke up Heavy Machinery. But other than that, I know nothing. So um, yeah. anything you have to tell me is going to be news to me. Well, the big, the big moves are uh, Seth Rollins went to SmackDown. Braun Strowman went over to Raw. Uh, Bray Wyatt has headed to Raw. Uh, Kevin Owens, Aleister Black are on SmackDown. The New Day and the Street Profits have swapped tag titles. So now New Day are the Raw tag team champions and the Street Profits are the SmackDown tag team champions. Um, you know, overall, the the draft didn't really do much for me. Uh, they've set up Hell in a Cell with Randy Orton and, uh, and Drew McIntyre, which it's nice to actually have a Hell in a Cell match to blow off a feud for once. And uh, we'll talk about how I'm selling next week. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know what? You say that, and I get that. I get it. Cool. But at the same time, you know, whatever happened to, you know, a guy only getting a couple shots at a title? This is, is what, his third title match in in two and a half months? Yeah, and I guess the way that Randy just came out and, and just said, I'm Randy Orton, and I'll take a rematch if I want one because I've earned it because I'm Randy Orton. And I, I'm down with it. It works for me. Yeah. And, and Drew and him have, have a great rivalry going. Uh, you know, it's personal now because Randy keeps attacking Drew's friends, the legends. So, you know, Drew's happy to get in there because he just wants to get his hands on Orton and inflict pain on him. Yeah, I I, I mean, the match will speak for itself, I suppose. Uh, I'm not too sold on the story right now, but uh, there's I have no doubt it'll be a good match. Randy, you put him in that cage and he always does something cool. Yeah, Randy. Randy's been fantastic the, this whole year. He's been the MVP, in my opinion, of the pandemic era of wrestling. Randy, we're we're gonna have. I was just about to say we're gonna have to have a Randy list, not like we didn't. <laughs> I mean, he um, did mention the twenty-five beers that you drank during that list. Yeah. So. Randy, 
you you say he's been a highlight of the pandemic era. He's been a highlight of the last fifteen years. Absolutely. Randy is one of the best wrestlers of this generation. I have no problem saying that. Oh, I, I cannot I cannot agree with you more. And and you know, I have a feeling that this is gonna be one of the rare times that we agree on this show when it comes to the list time. But uh Randy Orton is he's the guy that like I think because he came in with Cena and Batista and I it's not that they overshadowed him but you know Cena was the man and Randy Orton yeah. he, he was like the macho man you know what I mean Hogan was always the guy back in the day but macho man was the man you know what I mean and that's how I look at Randy Orton he came in with the most successful OVW cat uh, uh class of all time mm-hmm. you look at that OVW guys you already mentioned Cena Batista uh, Brock Lesnar, you, you know what I mean? All these guys came from the same class, and he kind of um, he didn't debut in the same way that the others did, really. So you know, uh, as you know, Batista. Let's not talk about Deacon Batista, of course, but uh, you know the, the the others came in and hit hard pretty uh, pretty fast. It took Randy some time, right? But once he hit. That uh, especially that legend killer status, he was off and fucking running. Well, on a little sidebar there, if you want to hear more about that class from OVW, uh, make sure you head over to friend of the show Jonah's uh, YouTube page there with Mad Dog Connor and Eugene. And Eugene actually goes into detail about training a bunch of those guys. Oh, that's right. It's a great interview. Uh, Mad Dog kills it as always. He's the man. Jonah does a great job. Jonah, you're the best. Uh, I'm, I'm working on trying to bring him to come on for our live show as well. So, um, if Mad Dog was listening to the show right now, um, Mad Dog, call us. We miss you. Um, we're worried about you. Uh, we're, we're like that worried mother when you don't yeah. call uh, at least once a week. We we start to worry. We hope that you haven't fallen with the wrong crowd, Mad Dog. Okay, yeah, that's right. No, Mad Dog's doing great. He's just uh, on the men from a separated shoulder, it looks like. So speedy recovery to you, Mad Dog. Uh, I want to talk one more thing on on, uh, Raw right now, and that's uh, The Fiend and and Alexa Bliss. I I know you said you haven't seen much about it. I love what they're doing. I have seen that. I've been seeing clips of that. I pay attention to that storyline as much as I can. I'm loving it. Um, It's it's the Joker and Harley Quinn. The internet seems divided on it. A lot of people saying they don't like it. It's stupid. I, I don't understand that. I think it's a great story. Uh, Alexa is at the top of her game right now from an acting standpoint. Um, it's beautiful. That thing they did, what was it, last Raw or last SmackDown or whatever? Yeah, the uh, double, double sister Abigail. Double sister Abigail. What a great segment. Uh, and Alexa looked great in the role, too, hanging upside down. She yeah. looked great out of a horror movie. I'm shocked to hear you say that the internet was complaining about something in wrestling, Mike. <laughs> right. God, I hate well, you. Well, that leads me to my next question. You said that uh, that uh, The Fiend has moved brands. Has Alexa moved brands as well? Alexa has moved brands as well. Yeah. Uh, same thing also with um, uh, Nikki Cross will also be over. Oh, okay. So they're kind of keeping that whole little group together, which I'm happy about. Uh, Mike, you sent me a text message tonight, and and you asked me to watch something. So let's go ahead and switch gears. Why don't you Why don't you take us into the next segment here? Yeah, it's time to switch over to ROH. Um, they had uh, just yesterday. Um, it was uh, the next round of uh, of the tournament started. Uh, of course, if you've been listening to the show, you know we've been talking about the Pure Championship tournament. 
And I couldn't let you slide this week. The mat, the two matches on this week's episode of ROH were so goddamn good. The whole episode from each promo to each vignette to each match, the entire hour was one of the best hours of wrestling I have seen in a while. And I and I, I couldn't let you pass on it. I had to text you right away and say, I need you to watch this before we, we record tonight. And it sounds like uh, you're, you're, you're thanking me for it. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, good call, man. Uh, this is the first I've got CRH in a little while. I keep tabs on it. I, I read up on it. So I, I am in the loop of what's going on. But to sit down and actually get to watch it, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a great job. Um, with the tournament, uh, they broke down how these guys advance, which I really liked. Uh, each guy got a little bit of promo time, which I thought was nice. The yep. guys that won last week got to cut promos, which was great as well. So that way you're not forgetting about them. The uh, packages they've been putting together are great. Yeah, I thought um, Ian, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Uh, the the commentator for Ring of Honor, Ian uh, Rakano Banner. I cannot pronounce his last. You know how I am with last names, with names in general. Uh, I'm terrible with them. But he did a great job. He broke down the rules. Fantastic for the tournament. Um, I like that they put over the fact that Jonathan Grisham has been pushing for this because he feels like the only wrestling matches that he loses are when opponents cheat. I thought that was a nice little touch. Yeah. The, the in-ring action was great. Jay Lethal did a fantastic job selling his knee. Uh, Jay White looked fantastic. Sorry, not Jay White. Uh, David Finley looked fantastic in his match. Um, uh, overall, two thumbs up as far as I'm concerned. They really slow. Let's break down the matches real quick. Uh, we started off with Jay Lethal versus uh, David Finley. Um, I like the story they told. Like this is obviously not a long, a, a, a long drawn out story. This is just for this one show because it's a tournament match. But they still were able to tell a story, and it was basically the franchise of ROH versus Mister New Japan. Yeah, and I loved it. They did a great match. Uh, it was they almost went to the time limit. It was like a sixteen or seventeen minute match. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up with uh, with Dave Finley tapping out. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a nice little looking bad at all. No, he he came out looking great. Uh, I like the fact that they touched on some real life stuff with his shoulder surgery that he had. Yeah, uh, I, I just think it was tremendously booked. I don't think anyone came out looking weak out of this show. One of the best technical matches I've seen in a long time. Um, would it have been a lot better with a crowd, of course, but they still were able to captivate me and hold my attention through the whole match. Caprice Coleman had a great point when he was talking about Jay Lethal, and I thought it was a kind of a cool way to, to get around the crowd as well. Uh, when he was saying how Jay Lethal is just self-motivated. He doesn't need a crowd. He doesn't need someone to motivate him. Uh, if it's a big crowd, he can tune them out. If there's no crowd, it makes no difference to him. Yeah, uh, I, I just thought that was a nice little spin, something I haven't heard yet before. Can we agree that Jay Lethal might be the most underrated wrestler of the last 20 years? Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and, and too. I, think I, I think I saw Jay Lethal short, and I, I think he's fantastic. And the only reason he's on, he, I think he's underrated is because he hasn't, uh, you know, been spotlighted in, in WWE. And when you're not spotlighted in WWE, you kind of go under the radar. I mean, he's a guy that I could really see excelling in NXT. Absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't think I'd like to see him. Well, go I said the same thing about EC3, so I don't fucking know. 
Hey, EC3 had a nice little run in NXT. It was when he got called up to the main roster that he got lost. Right. Yeah. And I, I think if Jay Lethal went to somewhere like AEW, I think he would get lost in that mid card because it is pretty crowded over there now. They're getting a little heavy on the roster. Uh, but I, I think if you put a guy like Jay Lethal in NXT, I think he changes the whole game. No, I like him exactly where he is. I like him in ROH. If I was going to do anything else with him, maybe do a little cross promotion with uh, with uh, NWA Power when it comes back. Ah, but, very nice. But that's pretty much it. I, I I like him being the king of the indies, you know? Yeah, I, I'm down with it. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to keep tuning in for, for next week as well. Uh, I, uh, you got me kind well, of well, we, we have one more match on that show to quickly talk about. We had uh, the newly married octopus, Jonathan Gresham. Ah. Taken on uh, Matt Seidel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt Seidel, anybody who is worried that Matt Seidel has lost his touch because of that uh, incident in AEW a few weeks ago. Nah, you're crazy. Go watch this match. Seidel has not missed a fucking beat. Nah, they look great. Both these guys were fantastic. Uh, his, his character work is on par. Doing that whole third eye thing he's been doing. His promo skills are on, are, are, are right on uh, attack, and uh, his angering stuff is just untouchable. Yeah, and uh, Gresham as well. The guy's a he's a machine, man. Yeah. He, you want to talk about Jay Lethal being one of the most underrated guys on the planet? Uh, I think Jonathan Gresham is he's he's not getting the respect that he deserves from the wrestling community right now. Um, and, and and I don't think that he's being disrespected when I say that. I just mean that as far as people talking about some of the best wrestlers in the world, his name needs to start getting mentioned a little bit more. Well, and hopefully that does after he wins the pure championship because that's what I'm predicting. Uh, with uh, you, you, and the other reason I think maybe he's underrated or uh, or or underappreciated, I never realized until this tournament started exactly how short in stature. Yeah, Russian Got the Taz, got the Taz syndrome. How how many people does Matt Seidel tower over? Oh, true, right? You know Not what I mean? Lot. Not a lot. So uh which which is also good for his personal life because his uh his new wife uh and uh my dream wife, Jordan Grace, or uh <laughs> <laughs> you're, you, I'm glad that you mentioned at the top of the show that your wife does not listen to our show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Jordan's only like five foot. When I met her last summer, I towered over the woman. Yeah, well, so, you're you're like a, a, a skinny Andre the Giant. You're very tall. You. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, uh, I got one more. I got uh, one more thing I want to talk about news-wise, and then I told you that I've got a little bit of surprise of something I want to talk about with you tonight. Yeah, but before we get to that, which I think is going to be good, let's talk about something that's bad. Lars Sullivan. Can <laughs> yes. just cut ties already, please? So, I just even when Lars was on Raw before he got hurt and all that stuff happened with. Uh, uh, all of the what? What was the what was the issue with him again? The the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, I want to say he uh, something to do with anxiety attacks. He had some anxiety attacks, and then some stuff on social media came out about him being racist, I believe, right? And then and then the and then the gay porn stuff. Not and like then, that matter at all. To no, be not that there's I, anything wrong with that. Seinfeld. No, no, that's what I mean. Uh, you know, the the. The fact that he's done porn, 
how it, it's such a double fucking standard. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, how I many of the women have, have, have done stuff like that? But as soon as a man does it, and God forbid, he fucks another dude. Oh, heaven forbid. Uh, any any oh, chance I can get to put a Seinfeld quote in? If not, if there's anything wrong with that, I'm happy about it. I love Seinfeld. Uh, so Lars, Lars has made his return. Uh, you know, and they booked him pretty strong on SmackDown, laying out Jeff Hardy and, and Matt Riddle. And then two days later, he is getting outed for being a creep on Twitter to a yoga instructor asking her for booty pictures. Like, man, you're in the public spotlight. What is wrong with you? It's WWE. Oh, that's right now with Everything that's gone on in the last six months of people getting called out online, especially in the wrestling community, you need to be so fucking careful. Look, how stupid are you? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it, man. Now, on a selfish reason, I, I want him. I want them just to cut ties with him because I never understood his draw to begin with. Yeah, I don't get it either with Lars. Even, even in the whole beginning, before any sort of controversy, I saw him. Nothing more. I was going to call him. I would like to call him a poor man's Gene Snitsky. Yeah, I'm down with that. But I'm pretty sure Gene Snitsky is a poor man's Gene Snitsky. It's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, get get rid of Lars Sullivan. I have no interest in seeing him on my television. He's not a draft as far as I'm concerned. He's not talented as far as I'm concerned. I have no interest in seeing him on television. And just the fact that he's a creep behind the stage makes it even more so that I just want him out. I'm going to take it one step further, and I have no interest to talk about him on our show anymore, so I think it's time to move on. All right, good enough. All right. So, All I right, have... What's this special subject? Because I, I know it can't be fucking Lars Sullivan. I did something that you are going to be very surprised about. Not only did I watch Ring of Honor this week, Mike, mm-hmm. I took some time out this weekend, and I watched some GCW. Ooh! Did you watch The Collective? I watched Joey Janela's Spring Break 4. You son of a bitch. I couldn't watch it this Most of it, at least. There's some things I couldn't get through. Uh, And I I also watched uh, most of Josh Barnett's Bloodsport as well. Fantastic. This is the first year. Anybody who watched my old show, The Lasting Mark, knows that up until this year, I used to purchase The Collective every single year. All, all 12 or 15 shows, whatever it was that year, I, I purchased the whole, the whole package every single year. That was my WrestleMania. You know what I mean? I, I spent three days watching all these indie shows. This is the first year I decided to be a uh, responsible parent and not spend $200 on a pay-per-view. Uh, so, uh, so I did not get the collective this year. But I will say I was very fucking tempted. Some of the shows on there, man... Before we get to the ones that you watched, um, just look at some of the shows. You had uh, a big Shimmer pay-per-view. Yeah. You had uh, a big show um, called For the Culture, which uh, only featured black wrestlers. Hey, cool. Um, including the return of Two Cold Scorpio. No kidding, eh? Yeah. I'm Scorpio. seeing that one day. And then, of course, uh, you know, you had Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, uh, which which happened on the collective every single year. Um, and then, uh, of course, all the GCW stuff. Uh, Black Label Pro, I'm pretty sure, usually put their show on uh, during these shows. Um, ICW New York sometimes does as well. But uh, the big ones are always GCW. Um, GCW always puts on spring break during the collective. Uh, G- and then they always have... Um, 
a special show put on by uh, a certain wrestler. Like last year, Orange Cassidy had a show, and uh, the year before that, someone else had a show. The same way that jo- Joey Janela. Uh, actually, last it was, year... It was Joey Ryan, right? Uh, two years ago, uh, um, The Invisible Man put on a show, for fuck's sake. Oh, jeez. Uh, We're going to talk about him in a minute. <laughs> this year, um, the two uh, main uh, GCW stars putting on shows were... Um, fuck, I can't remember the dude's name now. Uh, uh, if you- uh, well, Effie, I was going to bring that up in a minute. Effie's big gay brunch happened, um, which I love Effie. Um, Effie's a, such a great character. And then uh, Lloyd, uh, Jake Lloyd, Jack Lloyd, Jake Lloyd, something Lloyd. Uh, he he got his own show this year, too. Okay. Um, but let's get to the important ones. Uh, you know, Joey Janela, he puts on this spring break every year. Let's break it down. Well, I'm not going to break the whole thing down. Uh, I'm going to say this wasn't exactly my cup of tea. Okay. I did, I did enjoy. I, I did enjoy GCW a fair amount of it. I don't think GCW is for everybody. It's a very acquired taste. I mean, sometimes it even gets lost on me. And I've been a fan for four or five years. Now, I went into this so very open-minded, and yeah. and I did. I'm not saying that I hated it at all because I didn't. I was in, I was entertained by some of it. Some of it I thought was stupid. Some of it I thought was funny. Some of the stuff I just thought was great. Some of the stuff I thought wasn't great. Um, but that's kind of what I like about it is that uh, to me, it's kind of like um, a little bit more of a serious version of what the guys are doing with Talk and Shopamania there, Gallows and Anderson. I wasn't expecting to see five-star classics and, and well-booked storylines. I knew that I was getting guys like the Invisible Man and the Blow Up Doll with the fucking shadow person with it. Yeah, um, and so I think going if you if you're gonna watch a show like this, you need to go in with the mind frame of you're not watching uh, WrestleMania or the Royal. You know what I mean? Or an AEW yeah, or an NXT. The, I I have always looked at GCW is it's pretty much CZW watered down a bit, but it's not quite as hardcore with comedy outlined in it. You know what I mean? So I wrote down a couple of the matches that I watched that I enjoyed. Um, the first one is uh, Ricky Shane Page and his yeah. little crew of the Ohio boys there. I'm yeah. not familiar with any of these people, really. I have never – I don't follow GCW, so there was a lot of new stuff for me to see. Uh, and he did an open challenge. There's some pretty funny comedy stuff here. Like he – he called out a, a student, like, I'm going to give you your big break. Ricky Shane Page's gimmick is that he's the champion of GCW, but he's only doing non-title matches right now, and it fires everybody up. So he was doing an open challenge, non-title challenge, of course. So he called out, like, a student, and the guy, like, made half his entrance, and he's like, are you kidding? He's like, get the fuck out of here. You're a nobody. I'd never let you fight on this card. And they brought out um, a guy named 411 who was 911's uh, a son, like in yeah. storyline mode. What a, what a stupidly great gimmick. Yeah, it was funny. And then finally, though, uh, Orange Cassidy uh, open, uh, issued or accepted the open challenge. Uh, and for me, it was kind of cool. That's a homecoming for Orange, too. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I look at AEW now, and so many of the AEW guys I was a big fan of because they a lot of them come from GTW, including Orange, including uh, Marco Stunt, Jungle Boy. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys came from GCW. Uh, and uh, what I what I was going to say, too, is uh, for me it was kind of cool to see Orange Cassidy without the mainstream handcuffs on him. 
Yeah, uh, not that he does a lot of stuff very different. He still t- stayed pretty true to that character, it looks like. But it it was just nice to see him in that environment where he could do whatever he want. The match was entertaining. Orange Cassidy was great. Uh, another another good match I watched was uh, Jonathan Grisham. He fought uh, Lee Mor- Moretti. He was like, uh, it was a great technical match. This Lee Lee more 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 I, I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But uh, he he's got a lot of hype going around him, and and it's definitely somebody that that you're gonna hear from. And actually, when the match was over, Jonathan Grisham said, "I want you in Ring of Honor." And Which, again, this is where I first saw, because uh, I went through a little stage where I wasn't really watching ROH. I I, I first saw Jonathan Gresham in. Or in uh, GCW years ago. Well, and, be, and before, you know what? And let's just touch on this for a second because I wanted to bring this up and I think this is the time to do it. Uh, before I continue with the card, this is why I think the the landscape of professional wrestling is so awesome right now. Yep. The first match, you have Orange Cassidy, who is from AEW. The second match, you have Jonathan Grisham, who is the um, uh, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion. Mm-hmm. Alex Shelley was on this card, who is the Impact Tag Team Champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. Uh, you know, you're seeing um, um, Matt Seidel being on AEW, being in Ring of Honor. Uh, you're seeing Thunder Rosa in the NWA and AEW. How awesome is it that these promotions have put their egos aside and are allowing this to happen? A hundred percent. AEW was very smart when they signed, especially a lot of the GCW guys, like Joey, because Joey is a, Joey is one of the top GCW guys. He, I mean, he worked in their office for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, he, when they signed guys like Joey Janela and, uh, and Orange Cassidy, uh, Marco Stunt, they gave them the option. So it's like, listen, you, you know, if you come in, you're still going to be allowed to do so, so many indie dates if you want to. That way, GCW didn't lose a whole lot. You know, yeah. well, and speaking of Joey Janela, he was uh, in one of the main promoted matches against Ricky Morton. Yes, he was. I've been looking forward to this match because um, let's be honest, Ricky can still somewhat go. And uh, I don't think Joey's been used to his potential in AEW. I don't I I don't like Sonny Kiss. Um, yeah. And, and it's not about his character. Um, I think there's a lot to do with that character. I actually dig the character. I don't like Sonny Chris in the ring. I don't think he's talented. I don't like – I just – I'm not a fan of him. Uh, That's kind of how I am with Janela, to be honest. I, I don't get Joey Janela. And I feel like he's pulling Joey, Joey down. You go and watch some of Joey's stuff over uh, you know, the last five years in, in GCW, and I think you would dig Joey. Well, maybe I'll I'll take a uh, a look back. Maybe I'll get our listeners and you to to uh, maybe tell me a couple matches to check you know, out. One of these days, I'll probably do a top seven GCW uh, uh, list and basically force you to watch some of this stuff. Fair, I'm down for that. Um, the other big attraction on this show, and and by the way, Ricky Morton did look great. Uh, one thing though, I did not like about this show is that uh, too many chair shots to the head. Yeah, GCW is bad for that. I've uh, they're known no place for that. They're known for death matches. Yeah, and which was the main event, which I I could not watch that one. Uh, they yeah. did a tremendous video package between it though. Uh, Alex Alex Cologne versus Matt uh, Tremont. Tremont Tremont is a fucking beast, man. 
Yeah, they did a great video package for it, but uh, after the clusterfuck battle royal is pretty much where I tapped out on it. I, I couldn't get through the death match after that. That's uh, unfortunate, Tremont. I know you don't dig a whole lot of death match, but if you if you can stomach death matches, Tremont is one of the best guys going. Yeah, uh, he's probably my second favorite uh, death match guy in the world right now, second only to Nick Gage. Fair. Um, clusterfuck battle royal very interesting to say the least the, the, the name the name does not disappoint yeah it's by pinfall submission over the top rope by leaving the building or by death <laughs> um yeah you got it was wacky the it's just funny you, like i i like, I like this year? what's that any interesting names in it this year uh jtg from crime time was in it very good uh spider nate webb uh was actually the winner of it okay uh he was getting the the hometown indiana uh, he was in from indianapolis i guess or that area so they they put him over uh, invisible man was in it uh gregory iron i think was out there they, they brought in the guys have you ever seen those uh youtube guys that fight at walmart oh the the, the black dudes yeah with the dread the they're awesome yeah they were in there um it is what it was. It was a clusterfuck. It had its moments of entertainment. It dragged a little bit for me. It was pretty long, but uh, I'm glad they didn't do what they did last year. I was expecting you to say they brought in superhuman. No, uh, no superhuman. No superhuman this year. No. And then just real quick too, I, I want to touch on uh, the Bloodsport pay per view, which I, I I skimmed through it. I didn't have time to watch the whole thing. Okay. But a uh, uh, couple matches I really enjoyed were Homicide against Tom Lawler. Now, before before you get into it here, let's really quickly explain. Bloodsport is a very much a mix of professional wrestling the way you know it and MMA. Yeah, it's like the old um, uh, pancreas promotion. That's what it reminded me of from the, in Japan uh, that Ken Shamrock used to be in back in the day. Uh, right. There's no, no ropes on the ring. Uh, you're not allowed to fight outside of the ring. Um yeah, it was cool, man. Uh, uh, in the air, a lot of people are, are have been trying to figure out for years whether it's uh, a shoot or not. I don't. I think. I think it's it's worked. It is worked. There, there's yeah. yeah. There's no. There's not a doubt in my mind that this thing is. It's completely yeah. worked. Um, it's stiff though. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It, it's yeah. stiff. Homicide and Tom Lawler. Uh, they had they had a fantastic match. Uh, have, they, you, have you seen a lot of Tom Waller? Because you're not a GCW guy. I haven't seen a lot of him. No, I, I keep reading about him. I know he's done some great stuff in MLW as well. Yeah, I'd like to get into a little bit more of that as well. Um, but yeah, no, they they were great together. Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Josh Alexander fought. I was a little let down by that one. Davy Boy just kind of squashed him. And then the main event was uh, John Moxley against Chris Dixon Dickinson, the Chris Dirty Dixon, Daddy, yeah. the you're Dirty gonna- Daddy, right? You're going to start seeing a lot more of Chris Dickinson. I heard he just got signed to AEW. Yeah, they they were putting him over pretty strong. Dickinson uh, has been a mainstay in GCW for a long time. He's phenomenal. Yeah, they they put him over. They put him over great. He he looked amazing in this match. Uh, I, I'm gonna I want to talk about John Moxley right now, and I want to go on a little bit of a rant about him. I think that there is something really special about John Moxley. Uh, I wasn't a hundred percent sold on it so far in AEW. Like, I think he's doing a great job. I like what he's doing, but the WWE they fucked up with him, man. They they could have had something. Uh, 
and I don't want to use this comparison because it's not fair, but they could have had a a different version of what Stone Cold Steve Austin was with him. I think if they if they just trusted him, um, he he was so good. And I'm sure a guy like Moxley, uh, you know, for an event like this, it's going to cost you a pretty penny to bring in, but he was worth every penny of it. the The way that he put over Dixon, uh, it, it was fantastic. He he made him look like a million dollars. Uh, Moxley just has this aura to him right now. He's really something special. This is this is the first time that I've got to see non-mainstream John Moxley as well. You know what I mean? Uh, especially since his release from the WWE. I'm a huge Moxley fan right now. Uh, he's he's got me, man. You know, you say that he was, you know, that they dropped the ball with him in WWE, but. I, I'm very much on the idea that there's always two sides and we don't we don't know everything a lot of the times. There has been rumor and speculation that Moxley was very fucking lazy behind the scenes. I could I could see that also. I think he was unmotivated. So I don't know that they dropped the ball or they just gave up on him. They weren't gonna keep pushing him because he wasn't putting the fucking work in. Well maybe maybe let me rephrase then. I think that they really fucked up on his heel turn when he turned on Seth after Roman. Yeah, yeah that they, they could have done a lot better with that for sure. Because I, I just think if they would have let him taken the taken the shackles off him a little bit and given him some freedom and some promos, and he, he's just, I just think he's doing fantastic work. I think AEW is smart to build their company around him right now. I think any indie promotion that can afford him is smart to bring him in. He was great. And I, I was skeptical to see how he'd fit into this style because it's not something I'm used to. And even the commentators brought it up. You know, are we going to see sports entertainer John Moxley or are we going to see independent wrestler John Moxley? Uh, they brought up Eddie Kingston on AEW, how he cut a great promo. And if you haven't heard it, go out your way to watch it, where basically Eddie Kingston said, John Moxley, you're one of us. You were an indie guy and, and you left and, and you didn't you didn't help us and you didn't bring any of us. You just left us all behind. Uh, I, I don't know. Eddie Kingston's doing some good stuff right now. I too. like Eddie Kingston a lot. Yeah. So, um, what, what, what was I going to say? So, so the the Moxley we saw at Bloodsport. Did we get the Moxley we wish we saw against Brock Lesnar a few years ago? Yeah. Oh, big time. He, you know, and he he dressed the part too. He even came out and and he wasn't wearing the jeans or whatever. He was in like you know, uh, fighting tights. You know what I mean? Really. Yeah, he came out. He was all bored, man. Uh, I I was blown away by it. I, I was really impressed. I, I would definitely like to see a little bit more of the blood sport. Um, I will say that I did prefer the pure title uh, tournament over the blood sport, sport style a little bit more uh, just because I do like a little bit more of the professional wrestling than the shoot fight feel. Right. But overall, like I wasn't disappointed. I don't regret watching GCW. And if they come up with something you know wacky that gets my attention again, I'll definitely give it a shot. Yeah, they. Um, and I know I'm they, they never disappoint because uh, you know a few times I've been like, ah, okay. But yeah. uh, I, there's a reason I've been a fan for all these years, you know. Listen, uh, just, just know what you're getting into when you're watching it. You're not going to see a Heart Foundation and Brainbuster. No, no. and especially you- even even production wise. You know what I mean? The production sometimes sucks balls. Yeah, but you know, and, and the commentators are having a blast. They're just trying oh, to pop yeah. each other the whole time. It, it's it's very I'm not usually a fan of when people try to be so insider and you know, 
say things for the smart fans, but that's what this pay-per-view is for. It's for the fucking smart that's fans. What it is. Exactly. That's what GCW is for. Um, and and one of my favorite shows they do, they put on a, uh, a backyard wrestling show at least once a year. And uh, the not the last one. I missed the last one, but the one before it, last year's, <laughs> makes me laugh so much every time I even think of it. Because Joey Janela just got wasted off his ass and did commentary. Oh, God. And it's so fucking funny because he's just having fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not reading a script. He's not, you know, it's everything that WWE isn't. And that's not me shitting on WWE. WWE serves its purpose for what it is. It is the big, you know, standard of professional wrestling. But sometimes that overproduced huge massive show um it gets a little overwhelming and you need something else and for me that's gcw i like the raw uh you know torn down thing that you know you could basically make with your buddies <laughs> you know it, it, it's like movie genres if you don't feel like watching a comedy watch yeah. a drama you don't feel like watching a drama and that's what you get you know your wwe is your dramas and your serious one maybe you want to watch comedy you watch dcw maybe you want to watch action you watch an nxt you know what i mean like i just like that there's so many different options to watch right now i want to stop shitting on everything lighten up a little bit have a little bit of fun enjoy the wrestling product i i couldn't say it better myself people all they want to do is shit on on the product right now and and yeah there's a lot to shit on but go find the stuff you like. And if you're not enjoying it, stop fucking watching. That's it. No one's forcing you to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, if I don't like a TV show, I stop watching it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> it's not really hard. Uh, real quick, Mike, too. You, you triggered my memory when you said uh, Nate Webb as well. I did watch something else. I watched the David uh, Arquette documentary you told me to watch. Oh, Look at me go, eh? Holy shit, you've really been busy. No kidding. Look at me go. Well, okay, what did you think? I like, I like our definition of me being busy as me sitting on my fucking ass and watching hours of wrestling, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, I've also done some housework as well in between. Uh, no. <laughs> <I just> got... <laughs> For those of you that heard that, that was my girlfriend laughing at me in the background because that was a great line. Yeah, you you half filled the dishwasher, you fucking mook. Oh, I wish we had a dishwasher. I just did dishes for an hour tonight, cleaning up our Thanksgiving dinner. It was a a hell of a journey. Either way, uh, I digress. Um, The David Arquette documentary, I don't know how I felt about it. I didn't didn't think it was as good as you told me it was. I thought it was very good. Um, I feel like they portrayed David Arquette to be too much of like a a joke and a loser in it. And I just made me feel sad for the guy. Um, the, the scene where he is in the backyard fighting and, and these jabronis are just talking shit about him and beating the fuck out of him with light tubes made me sad. Like who the fuck are these kids? Like, I don't know that, that rubbed me the wrong way. I thought it was really good. The, the stuff with RJ city, I thought was great. Yeah. Um, once they got past that little uh, beginning part there where it was, I, I just felt like they, they were really like, I know they wanted to drive up some sympathy. That was kind of like the thing, well, but I think it, it, it went it too was far. A, it was supposed to be a this guy getting, you know, as bottom as he possibly can go. And that's what that was. That you know, you, you don't get more bottom than doing some shitty fucking 
backyard show where some big fat fucking out of shape cocksucker is calling you a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, I will say it's worth watching. I, I did really enjoy it. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I've still not given him my number one spot on the celebrity list though. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Uh, but the guy does love professional wrestling. I actually did. I, did I, I, I took a shot in the dark and I tried to reach out to David Arquette. Uh, obviously he didn't see the, the tweet. I, I said, but I've tried several times over the last three years. So I would I love to, I would love to try to get David Arquette on here. I think he would be fantastic. I am a fan of David Arquette. So, um, with, uh, Anybody who hasn't seen the, the doc yet, uh, you know, if you are wondering if he is an actual fan or not, I don't know if there's anything out there that I love enough to force me to wax my asshole and have yeah. it put on a movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you see him wax his asshole. I thought that was your pre-show preparation before we go live. Pal. Pal. All right. You um say a couple things for a minute while I go over to that freezer and grab my first Rattler. I love the fact that you tell me to say things after we just told the exact last thing on our news list. Like you, I literally have nothing to talk about now. Uh, so I guess what I'll do is I'll start hyping up some things we got coming on. There you uh, go. See, see I, I knew you were a smart boy. Well, you know, not just a pretty face, man. Uh, the big one that we got pushing it is uh, going to be November 22nd. We are doing it again. We are going back to Instagram Live for the Survivor Series. Um, we had a lot of fun doing the last one. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. I think we've worked out the bugs. Uh, it was a learning curve the first time. I think we've got this one figured out. It's going to be a lot more smooth. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we are going to be counting down. It's my turn to do a list this week. And what we've decided to do, because uh, the week of Survivor Series is also my list. So for the first time in the history of Count It Out, we're going to be doing a two-part list. And I will be counting down on the show leading up to Survivor Series, uh, the first half of the list, and then the live show will be the top seven part. We're going to be counting down the top 14 Survivor Series teams of all time. So seven to eight will be, sorry, 14 to eight will be on our podcast on the Thursday before the Survivor Series. And then our, our top seven countdown we'll save for the live show. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, check us out on all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at Counted Out 7. How did I do? Did I stall enough? You stalled perfectly. Just enough time for me to get a little, uh, what did I used to call a breakfast beer? Breakfast beer. The rattlers are in you. Uh, I think it's time to get down to business, man. I want to get to this list. We are yes, doing... Sir. We are doing the top seven horror theme gimmicks of all time. Any any promotion, it doesn't matter. Uh, keep them with our Halloween theme going. Uh, we're going to run down our next couple shows at the end of this one as well uh, to close out the month of October. Uh, you said you had a hard time with this list. I want to hear it, man. I want to jump right into it. Without further ado, here is Mike's list for the top seven horror theme gimmicks of all time. Hit us with your number seven, buddy. Well, here's the thing. Um, like I said before, I'm going to catch some heat and I don't give a fuck uh, because this is the best I could possibly do without changing my list 306 times. Yeah. Uh, before you hit number seven, what's the criteria to make the list? The criteria, one of the, one of the criteria is that at some point I needed to feel some level of fear. 
Okay. Whether it was when I was a kid or even, you know, a couple of the, uh, of the wrestlers on here are newer wrestlers of the last decade. I needed to feel that like, yeah, that, that would scare the shit out of me. You know, um, my honorable mention list is filled with very creepy characters or very violent characters, but were they, are they, are they worth, you know, me really being scared of that character? Like I would of a Freddy Krueger or, or, or a Jason Voorhees. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know I mean? Does the success of the gimmick have any ramifications on your list at all? I, I'd like to say no, but at the same time, five of, of my spots were very successful. So I, I, I don't know. And two of them are, were mid successful. So, well, we'll, 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 we'll get that when we we'll get there, when we get there. Um, okay. Let's jump into it, man. However, I will, the last thing I will say, you're going to say uh, that I cheated and I don't care. I have two ties on this list. Okay. You cheated. My number seven is a tie. My number three is a tie. And I don't fucking care. It's my list this week. I can do what I goddamn want. No, Mike's 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 breaking kayfabe on our show now. Yeah. I uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't not have these fucking ties. All so right. my number right. seven. I'm going to number- kick these people off your list. I'm going to make the call. My number seven starts with a tie. Okay. My number seven is Matanza Cuerto and Mil Mertes, both from uh, Lucha Underground. Good call. That, that, of course, is uh, Jeff Cobb and Ricky Banderas, respectively. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I kind of forgot about Lucha Underground a little bit. I know it's so funny because we talked about it so much last week. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, Lucha Underground definitely had some cool stuff on there. Mil Mortez, is that who you said? Mirazmuertes and uh, and one of his biggest rivals in in the show, uh, uh, Matanzo Cuerto, who was the uh, the brother of Darius Cuerto. Um, Matanzo Cuerto was he was booked like a serial killer, man, because well, his character was like locked away, right? He ate somebody's head at one point. Well, I mean, that's, that's not criteria to make the list, and I don't know what is exactly. Um, that's what I loved. You know, Lucha Underground was. was filled with these kind of like fantasy and horror characters anyways um you know the uh they had that what was a drago was a very drago, cool yeah. he was on there and, and you know they had a lot of characters like that and of course luchasaurus and uh one guy who came very close to being my number seven and just didn't make it was pentagon jr or pentagon dark or pentagon marrow whatever you want to call him yeah uh, you know, he just didn't have enough of the criteria, but he's one of the coolest dark characters that I've ever seen. Well, and all three of those guys that you just mentioned are all former Lucha Underground World Champions as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that, I'm, so that the, the, the reason they're tied is just I could not choose between Matanzo or Mel. Uh, Mel Muertes is probably the more prominent character in that show. But Matanza, when he came in in season two, he was indestructible. Yeah, they booked him like a like a, a maniac. Yeah. No, they did a great and, job with him. And fuck, they never. I don't think Jeff Cobb has ever looked that strong. 
No, no. He he was believable in that role, for sure. All right. My number six, we're going back to my childhood. Um, one of, if not the first wrestlers that truly scared me as a child. And, you know, people might snicker now and look back and might think it's corny or cheesy, but fuck scared the cock out of me when I was a kid. And that's Papa Shango. Yeah, good call. Papa Shango scared the shit out of me too. He was dark. He was mysterious. He came, he had the, one of the coolest entrances I ever seen. And to this day, 30 some years later, I still vividly remember the storyline he did with, with the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, with the curses, right? Yeah, where the warrior would like just randomly bleed this like green goop and ah, so weird. Um, another cool thing that he used to do is the lights would go out and his opponent would just be laying there in the ground and his feet would go on fire. Yeah, I remember that one too. You know, uh, just so vividly scary to me uh, as a kid, a kid who didn't understand the, the, the difference between a work and a shoot back then, right? 100%. And like that shit was real to me. Um, very scary stuff. What yeah. were, what, what, do, you, do you have any any good memories of, uh, of Papa Shango as a kid? Him and Bret Hart had a hell of a match. Uh, but I remember being terrified of Papa Shango. Like, I, I remember like having to go into another room when he would come on the TV because I, I would always be at my great-grandmother's house. That's where I always got my – that's where my love of wrestling started every weekend. And, like, there were times when he would come on and I had to, I'd have to leave the room and, and my, tell my grandmother, tell me when he's off because I'd be so scared that I don't want to know what kind of curse he's going to do to these people. I was scared for them. Yeah. yeah. And not to mention, just take a look at his presentation, you know, the face paint of the skull, coming out with a smoking skull, that creepy cape, the music. Like, if you're talking horror-themed gimmicks, like, he he's pretty much a definition of a horror-themed gimmick. A hundred percent. You know, he was this voodoo witch doctor. And and you're right. It, it, it's 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 weird it's silly if you really break it down but god damn it worked in the 90s now did you know that they were going to bring papa shango back during the attitude era i did and and he made he had a mask made for it and everything yeah and then the day that they were going to debut it they decided to put him in the nation instead yeah it's it's funny the the progression of that character uh or, or of that wrestler i should say he goes from being a a a voodoo witch doctor. Yeah. To the extreme fighting machine. Yeah, the supreme fighting machine. The supreme fighting machine. You're right. Uh, to a pimp. Yeah. Well, he and the well, the and then the nation was in there as well, and then a pimp. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was still Kama Mustafa during the the nation stuff, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, but he, yeah, I guess so. He kind of. He was kind of in that weird little limbo spot there. He was just gen- kind of generic at that point. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest things he did, it was to me, it was almost a throwback to uh, to the Papa Shango stuff. You remember he, uh, as Kama Mustafa, he was feuding with the Undertaker, and he stole the Undertaker's urn and had it melted down into uh, into that chains. Big, that big chain, yeah. I actually yeah. remember I, I saw the Undertaker and Kama fight in a casket match in uh, the Newmarket in the rec, the Ray Twenty Rec Complex. Oh shit! How yeah. show? How show? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was very. Uh, that that's something I would have thought that Papa Shango would have done too. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. I, 
And and he kind of had a, that little run with Taker, and it's it's funny to think about how much he actually feuded well, with Taker. Well, right? they, behind, behind the scenes, uh, he was part of what, what's it called, the BSK, BSK, BKS, whatever it is, uh, Bo- uh, Bone Street Crew, or yeah, I think it's BSK. I think that's what it is. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, which which is Undertaker's little click. I think it was. Uh, it was Taker, comma, Yoko. Henry Godwin. The Godwins, yeah. But uh yeah, they, they they were they were very tight. And just like you know, Sean and Razor and Sean and, and Diesel, they like to work each other all the time. It was really no different with Taker. Taker liked to work his boys too. So he worked Kama a lot and he worked uh, Yoko a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh the I think Taker teamed with all those guys uh, during Survivor Series one year as well, ninety five. That's right, yeah. All right, man. We're having a good start here. So my number five, I'm gonna be honest with you. My number, my number four, and my, my number five could easily be switched around, and it has been several times. It really doesn't matter to me. They're pretty much it doesn't matter which way they go. So we're gonna do my number five uh, as a character who's gone through many different promotions. Uh, probably known best for WCW, but that's not where he started and it's not where he finished. We're talking about the Taskmaster, uh, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, wonderful. Because uh, even even before he was going by the Taskmaster, he was the devil worshiper in Florida, mm-hmm. right? With the purple haze. And that's why I don't want to just I don't want to just focus on the Taskmaster. I want to focus on Kevin Sullivan because his character developed so much, but he he always had that dark devil war chipping thing to him yeah you know what and i let's take a little bit of a deep dive on kevin sullivan because like we said you know he started out with, with that character in florida with uh, uh the fallen angel i think was what nancy benoit was called is that her name dark angel something like that yeah something like that he had the purple haze with him uh mm-hmm. legendary feud with dusty rose and and they would call him the devil you know uh he, he went on wcw <laughs> Taskmaster. People, were, people believed he was a devil worshiper. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like people, and he, I, I think he might have been a little bit. In all honesty, he made he made a bunch of the the tabloid rags. Yeah. And not even and I'm not I'm not even just talking about thirty years ago. I'm talking about 50, you know 10, 12 years ago, right after the Benoit incident. He was on the fucking Inquirer or whatever the fucking Inquisitor or whatever the hell it is, talking about how uh, this devil worshiping guy may have been involved with his ex wife's death. It's like fuck. Yeah, it's 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 crazy the the believability that that he portrayed, and and who knows, maybe maybe a lot of it could have been a shoot. We don't know for sure. Um, he had that great angle in Smoky Mountain too, where he just bloodied the hell out of somebody with a spike. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. It was very graphic. And then, you know, let's talk about his relationship with King Curtis Ikea, uh, who was the the weird looking, you know, the, the leader of the Dungeon of Doom, if you will. But yeah. What a weird character that was. King Curtis Ikea is on my honorable mention list. Um, and that's kind of like he's the godfather of horror as far as Kevin Sullivan calls him, right? And yeah. Sullivan, a father. And then, you know, Kevin Sullivan has this run with the Dungeon of Doom, which is so fun. And I don't want to get too deep in it. I, I don't know if they're on your list or not. Um, but um, from there, too, let's talk about the stuff he did in Ring of Honor with, uh, you know, BJ Whitmer and Steve Carino also. 
Uh, absolutely, and, and we just talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, the stuff he did in Impact with uh, with Rosemary and uh, Sue, uh, fucking whatever her name is, Sue Young. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, a few appearances in Impact. He was uh, the referee for uh, Clockwork Orange House of Fun match between Raven and the Sandman in the early days as well. Yeah, man, he's he's got everywhere. everywhere, and he's got he's got not only is he scary as fuck, he's got a mind for it. I mean, there's a reason he was the head booker in WWE for all those years. Yeah, and he was so scary that he scared the radicals in the WWF. <laughs> Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, let's forget about his, uh, his stature for a minute. He was never the biggest. He was never the, uh, the, the best wrestler or the most buff or the best looking. He, I mean, he, he, he looked like somebody tried to make Hulk Hogan and fucked up. Yeah. It's like Hulk Hogan minus six feet and muscles. But, uh. As far as the mind and the psychology goes, he was one of the best. Well, you know what, though? And let's talk about that for a second, too. The fact that he looked like a fucked up Hulk Hogan you mentioned. That's what my one problem is with the NXT system is it's too cookie cutter. You know what I mean? Everybody looks the same. Everyone acts the same. I like having that versatility. I like having a crazy guy like Kevin Sullivan on my card. And you know what? It doesn't matter how he looks because he was fucking over. He was a top heel everywhere he went. He didn't need to have all the muscles. He didn't need all that shit. He was a top fucking heel everywhere. And I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago, um, or a couple days ago maybe, that uh, for one of our next watch-alongs, something I want to do is the episode of Baywatch where all the WCW guys were on it. Oh, God, he's hilarious on that. Kevin Sullivan makes me laugh so fucking much. Ric Flair tells a great Kevin Sullivan story also on his uh, on Flair's old podcast, which <laughs> Flair's old podcast was the best because he just didn't give a fuck what he said, and it made everybody uncomfortable. But he told a story about how for Flair's birthday, and I might have told this story on air before, and if I have, I apologize. But for Flair's birthday, Flair and his wife and Sullivan and his wife all went out for dinner, and they got polluted. And Sullivan went to the bathroom and got buck naked and took a candle and shoved it up his foreskin and lit it and walked out into the restaurant. (laughs) Rick Flair said he's got the longest foreskin in professional wrestling. (laughs) Uh, That's what he'll, that's what he'll go into the hall of fame for. That's it. That's it. Oh man. That's so now I'm curious. though, what was, what was your toss up? What's next on the list then? Right. That was your number five. My number five. So let's see what your number four is and where the big dilemma is here. I, I, I'm intrigued now. My number four is one of the greatest, if not one of the greatest managers of all time, Paul Bearer. Okay. I like it. Yeah, Paul Bearer, man. He's got to be on this list. Uh, yeah. Uh, spoiler, the only non-wrestler to be on my list. Okay. How they can take a guy like Percy Pringle and turn him into what they did is just a work of genius. Well, and a lot of that's got to go to, to Percy though. Oh, definitely, definitely. He has that background as being a mortician, right? Yeah. But it, it's, you, you say that, but that has nothing to me that has nothing to do with anything. I'm sure if I, if I was to walk into a funeral home right now, I'm not going to see a guy going, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Won't you? You don't know what kind of people are working down there. 
<laughs> you know, but he had this character again, um, going back to my childhood and things that actually fucking scared me. You have told your fucking Paul Bear story on this on this. I show. was just about to say you just took the words right out of my mouth. I told the story when he actually yelled at me and did scare me as a child. <laughs> but he he was he was scary, and then um, you just when you didn't think he could change or reinvent himself, he hooks up with mankind. He does the whole thing where he has his fucking face burnt, and he and he goes back to his original hair color. And, and, you know, he drops all the makeup and, and, and the dark clothes. And somehow, he's scarier. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you have the Ministry of Darkness, where he's basically, you know... He, it, it was weird. In the first half of his career, he led The Undertaker. Yeah. Then the Ministry came, and he was a minion of Undertaker. A servant. Yeah. It was cool, his character evolution. All of the character. And let's not, let's not forget his work that he did on the funeral parlor as well. What a great oh, talk show. God, yes. You know, go back. You want to talk about creepy, man. Like, go back uh, and watch a segment from the funeral parlor. Uh, and everything was great about that, from the lighting, the music, the set, Paul Bearer's tone. But the tone of the commentators, too. Vince was just creeped out by it. They would talk in that, oh, this is very scary. Uh, Paul Bearer is terrifying me, right? You know what I mean? Like, they would, him and Piper and Macho would always talk so low-key during that thing to give it that extra little creep effect. And even when he was playing a face, he was still scary. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, he was just a scary character in general. But he was a scary guy that you could root for. Um, he, he one of my Adams family. Yeah, one of my favorite Paul Bear moments uh, is is a face moment, um, and I think I fucked up my words a few minutes ago. I meant to say even when he's a face, he's scary. Uh, but one of my favorite moments is a face moment, and that's SummerSlam of nineteen ninety four. When he comes out and opens that that urn and the and the light shines out, oh yeah, what a triumphant moment for that character! Oh, and how great he reacted to it too, yeah. right? And then you you know you you jump two years, um, and you have that exactly two years. Come to think of it, right to SummerSlam '96, and you have him take that urn and, you, and he smashes it over the back Undertaker's head reinventing the character once again the the thing that i and i'm glad you mentioned the urn my favorite spot that they always did and i don't know how they always timed it out so well would be back in the early days of the undertaker when paul would lift the urn up and they, take it sit up like i don't know how they saw i don't know how they timed that out yeah they, there must have been some sort of count or something like they did they they had it timed down perfectly yeah, those guys were perfect together. The chemistry behind them. And I'm pretty sure that Paul Bearer even managed the Undertaker for a cup of coffee in world class as well. Oh, like Percy uh Percy, I'm pretty sure there's I'm pretty sure I saw that on YouTube where, where there's a match where Percy is managing the, the pre Undertaker Undertaker. Well would that be uh, Mean Mark? Mean Mark. I don't even know what he was in, in world class. He might have been big or, red or something like that. Well, that when he was the Punisher? The Punisher. I think that was Memphis. Rob will tell us. He'll text us this week. And tell <laughs> he's a, he hasn't even heard the show and he's already texting me. Yeah, no kidding. I love Rob. He's the best. 
Um, I see what you mean, though, about having a hard time with this week's list, because that was your number four, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at my honorable mentions, and I'm seeing at least five or six that, that I would have on my list personally. No! That's what I'm saying. Get now, ready for some heat coming in, man. Now you understand why my number three is a tie. All right. I, I think I know what you're going to say here. My number three is a tie between Mankind and Kane. Okay. I was I was close. I got I got uh, one out of the two right there. I, I thought you were going to go with uh, Kane and somebody else. Um, Kane almost didn't make my list. Yeah. Um. I had to go revisit Kane because Kane never instilled that that fear in me. But then I went back and I really watched some of his matches, and it's very obvious that he he you know really studied things like um, Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and you know those characters. Then you have Bruce Pritchard's uh, uh, original inspiration for, for for making the character, and he's got to be talked about. Oh, he's one of the greatest characters of all time. You know, and and to say he's not scary is stupid because he was. He 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 really was. Um, even after he maybe he even got scarier after he took the mask off. Yeah, he went through that run there. But like, if you want to talk about Kane at his peak, you got to talk about the early days of Kane when he would just come out and lay out people. When those lights went out and that music, that organ music hit, like people knew they were about to get fucked up and you can see a lot of inspiration in the, in the, the Bray Wyatt fiend character to that, a little bit of that extent now, you know, can you believe it's been 23 years since we, the first time we saw that character? Well, uh, a little bit of a spoiler for next week's show. We are definitely going to be talking about Kane again. I would hope so. Um, so Kane is of course tied with mankind with mankind. I want to, focus mainly on that first year or two of his character. Yeah, yeah. Those those early vignettes of him sitting in the dark room and the Hannibal Lecter man. Fifteen years old when that character first debuted and it scared the fuck out of me. I didn't know what the fuck I was seeing. Um I was familiar of Cactus Jack, but it took me months to realize that, that was him. Yeah, me too. I was going to ask you how long it took you to realize that it was took, it. it. took a long time. Would you classify Cactus Jack as a horror as a horror character? Cactus Jack is on my honorable mentions. Yeah, okay, I respect that. Um, originally, I thought about just putting Mick Foley on the list, but I can't. I I had a hard time putting Mankind on my list because the character really swayed away from what it was. Yeah. I mean, if you ask McFoley himself, he would probably say that Dude Love was his scariest character. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> I remember the story he told a few, uh, quite a few years back when they were doing the first Cyber Sunday. And he's, he's sitting there crossing his fingers, hoping to God they don't vote for Dude Love because he didn't bring the the, the, the dice for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Got to love McFoley. A friend of the show, McFoley. Now, as we got a tweet from him, I'm calling him calling him friend of the show now. We're big imagine, you know, the first time you see that character, is, and he's got that mask on, and they they're very prominently showing the ball spots in his head and and disfigured ear, mm-hmm. and he comes out and he sits on the edge of the ring and he's stabbing himself in the fucking leg and pulling more hair out of his head. Well, let's talk about too the mandible claw and how. Oh. 
terrifying they made that sound a nerve hole that paralyzes you people were foaming at the mouth he had that creepy little like finger cloth thing wrapped around his hand yeah um the squealing yeah those vignettes where he was in the uh in the boiler room or whatever wherever he'd be and there'd be rats walking around and you know whose rat that was by the way no shoot that's jim cornett's <laughs> It's just pet rat. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, d- d- does he also like to sit and watch the rats fuck? Like he likes watching. The rats <laughs> fuck I have no comment on that. <laughs> um. Yeah. So mankind and Kane are my number three. I-, I couldn't choose between them, and I refuse to do so. I'll give you a loophole because they were tag team champions. All right. There you go. There's your loophole. But if you guys want to send your hate mail to Mike, then. Uh... By all means, I like when people shit on Mike. It's really fun for me. The uh, my number two is probably the best horror slash scary character of the last fucking 10, 15 years. All right. And you want to talk about evolution of a character? We're talking about the whole character, just not not just the uh, the current incarnation. We are talking about Bray Wyatt slash The Fiend. Yeah, I think that's just the perfect spot for him on this list. I'm not going to lie. Bray Wyatt, starting right from NXT, when he, when he came out as the Bray Wyatt character, we're not we're not going to talk about fucking Husky Harris, okay? We're, I mean, that, that's probably his scariest time for him, personally. I just use the same joke twice. I don't care. Starting with the original incarnation of the Wyatt family in NXT, and then moving on for everything he's done, he has been amazing. Uh, Wyndham Rotunda is one of the most interesting, charismatic, talented performers WWE has had in a long, long, long time. Yeah. You want to talk about somebody that gets himself and understands his gimmick and his character – uh, you, you take a look at what he does, right? The, the, no one can write a Bray Wyatt promo, especially back in the day when he was doing the follow the buzzard and the uh, whole world in his hand stuff. Yeah. You can't write a promo for him. Right he, he is so in tune with that character. Right down to the the subtle nuances, the the little quick cuts they do in the, in the, uh, the entrance and the promos, the little, the little like, half scream that happens i can't you you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah uh you know from that to the way they used to um just have him sit in a rocking chair outside the ring Mm -hmm. every one of those little tiny things worked so well and then they seem to run out of ideas for him they seem to kind of i didn't know what they were thinking when they were doing the uh the thing with matt hardy I was enjoying it, yeah. but I think they were running out of steam. Then they basically said, okay, do what you want to do. He comes out with, all of a sudden he starts coming out with this Firefly Funhouse stuff. Yeah, you, you immediately got the uh, uh, Mr. Rogers vibe, yeah. but like a cult instead, though. Well, the funny thing is, and people are going to never admit it now, but I remember very, 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 very uh, uh, distinctly, people shat all over that. 
Oh, yeah. They're ruining them. They're ruining them. What the fuck are they doing? This is so stupid. And I called it on my old podcast. I said to Danny, I was like, you fucking wait. Something big is coming. He's going to do this for a while. He's going to do this, this Mr. Rogers thing. And then we're going to find out that Mr. Rogers is a fucking serial killer. Yep. And I, I thought they were going to make it like he was going to be a cult leader. That's yeah. what I. That's what I thought. Like I, I was getting more like um, uh, Jonestown vibes from it at the right, beginning. Right, right. Um, I never could have, you know, envisioned what we were going to get. I, you know, the, with the fiend, um, amazing. Unfortunately, uh, I couldn't get tickets that night. I walked it at home, but you were there. I was there. It was, and when it was the crazy. Debut. It was crazy, man. Um, that is uh, right before I, I believe I blacked out for the evening. So I do remember Bray Wyatt uh, making his re-debut as The Fiend. The overall presentation was so cool for that. Um, you know, uh, they, they, they revamped that music because he had one of my favorite theme songs of this generation. I agree. It, it, it is one of mine. And I was afraid they were going to take that away from him. And what they did, they just had it recovered by by Code Orange, and made it just as cool. Yeah, they made it so it fit the Fiend character. Exactly. Uh, I just remember sitting there, and there was a there was a feeling of anticipation because I think I don't think anyone really cared so much about the match, but they wanted to see the entrance. And I don't remember who he fought. He fought Finn Balor. Oh right, he squashed Finn Balor. I should say. Um, but it I just first, like it was the first time we saw that lantern. Yeah, with his face on it, the way yeah. that they bring the lights down very slowly with that creepy noise. Um, yeah, the the lighting, the slow pace, the music, everything was it was it was awesome, man. It was it was one of the cooler moments that I, I remember seeing live for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited to see what they're going to continue to do with him. We spoke earlier tonight about. Uh, what they've been doing with Alexa Bliss, and I really like it. Another great addition to that character. Yeah. Uh, and, and talking about his entrance, though, man, let's not let's not uh, undersell how great his original entrance was. I never saw. I didn't have the chance to see NXT when Bray Wyatt was in NXT. Okay. Uh, I never saw. I didn't have the network at the time. I just had no way to see NXT. So the first time that I saw Bray Wyatt was when they did the vignettes for the Wyatt family on Raw. But I remember when they made their debut, I was blown away. Yeah. I thought he had the coolest entrance I've ever seen with just the, the lantern kind of dimmingly lighting everybody, that tight shot of them. Um, the way that they destroyed Kane, like they just made him look like maniacs. Like I, I just, I, I am a big fan of the Bray Wyatt character. I think yeah. this is a perfect place for this one. He had one of my favorite um, WrestleMania entrances ever. Uh, the one in New Orleans? When he fought. Uh... The Undertaker. Oh, okay, I was. Is that the one with the scarecrows? Oh, then scarecrows. I I like the one uh, the year before where he fought Cena and they had the band play him out live. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that one too. But I really like the scarecrow one. Scarecrow was cool. Like for me, the the one at WrestleMania 30, like because it was in New Orleans, so you already had those voodoo vibes. Yeah. Like like I I dug a little bit deeper like when I watched that and I was just thinking like. What would the Bray Wyatt character have been doing the whole week that all of a sudden led to having this creepy band and these creepy masks playing him out to the ring? You know what I mean? Like, 
I just thought it was fantastic. The stadium with all the lights was a visual that I will never forget. Uh, I just thought it was one of the best WrestleMania entrances uh, that they've done in a long time. And I don't think we've seen the last of uh, Wyndham Rotunda or Bray Wyatt. Uh, I I think we're going to get another big resurgence of this character. Well, we have come to the moment, Mike. Well, I hate to play the obvious card, but I, I, I think it's obvious. You have to. Damien Demento. That the greatest. We don't say that fucking name around me, sir. I never, <laughs> I never told you my, my problems with Damien Demento, but I hate Damien Demento. Oh, I, I look forward to hearing that. You tell me that one off air. <laughs> but uh, obviously, the in my opinion, the greatest horror uh base character in history is of course the undertaker see here's what i don't get about this though you know you had a couple ties on your list yeah why would you just put the undertaker and paul bear together and open up a spot on your list because i don't see them as they don't have to be one entity but wouldn't that be a better cheat code for you to do i'm i'm happy with my choices all right i'm just saying uh, this is the obvious number one, though. There, there's no way that you cannot, uh, just from his stuff from 1990 until 1995. You know what I mean? Don't that ministry stuff, man. The, oh, yeah. And that, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, before you even get into the ministry and the rebirth of The Undertaker, his initial run in the company is strong enough to be your number one. Mm-hmm. And then you put on top of that the ministry, which is like you talk about, you know, Midian is somebody that you can give an honorable mention to. Viscera, yeah. uh, the Acolytes, the, you know what I mean? A lot of, lot of cool stuff. Uh, as, a, as a wise man says, a lot of meat on the bone with the ministry there. No wise man has ever said that, ever. <laughs> Damn it. Um, you know, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. And he played such, you know, such a, as he was already a scary character, but then he evolved to this different kind of scary, and he starts like crucifying people and kidnapping people, and you know he he was no longer just this like undead wizard dude. He's all of a sudden this like cult leader that was like abducting people. It was it was fucking creepy. Yeah, uh, where to, Stephanie? That was, <laughs> that was I love that. Um, for me though, I, I gotta go to the classic taker, the that initial run when he debuted at the Survivor series, uh, right from the get-go, Rowdy Piper put him over. Take a look at this guy. He don't look like he's having a good time. Like I, I, just, I, just love, I just love Rowdy saying the word ham hock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh but that initial run, you know, he was he no sold everybody for a year. Yeah. He was untouchable. They protected him. Uh, big program. Even coming out of the Hogan program didn't hurt him. You know what I mean? And and Hogan usually was like that was the end of, of people's runs. You know. And, and back then, it's it's almost you know it's it's not a weird thing to happen these days. But back then, how often did somebody come into the company and win the championship within a year? No, never. 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 No one beat Hogan. Especially to have Hogan put you over. Yeah, you know, and especially to have a heel, like especially a heel. The WWF is a babyface company. Exactly. All happened. Bruno, Hogan, Backlund, Cena, Rock, Austin, 
all their biggest champions of all time are all baby faces. And you have this heel coming and squashing Hogan at Survivor Series one year later. Uh, unbelievable, right? Uh, the the no selling, the the zombiness, but the fact that you took this character called the Undertaker and and made it work. Because what a silly idea it is if you think about it. You're, you're you're a dead guy, kind of like a zombie. Uh, okay. What, what, what's based, the story when Vince calls them? They have that famous story. Yeah, you're bit you're based. Well, Taker was happy to have anything because he thought he was going to be the gobbledygooker. <laughs> Am I speaking to the Undertaker? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Better than Eggman. I'll be your yeah. Better than better than Eggman. Uh, you know, and, and you know, he's based on um, the old Undertakers from the old West, which really yeah. was a cool image back then. Yeah, it still is, man. The gray glove coat. He wore the he wore the coat and the big tie. The, the the hat, the gloves, you know. And say what you will about the match itself. I don't give a fuck. It was garbage, sure. But the visuals of SummerSlam of uh SummerSlam ninety-four. Yeah, Taker versus Taker. When the Taker faced himself in a match, the just the visuals was enough to give you fucking chills down the spine. Absolutely, man. And and the only, the, only thing that, the only thing that can maybe take you out of that is the fact that they had uh the police squad doing the whole the naked gun guys. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I, I am a big Leslie Nielsen fan, so I, I'm quite okay with that. <laughs> um but yeah, that was a little silly. But then again, Undertaker versus Undertaker is pretty fucking silly too, right? Yeah. Uh, but even even go a couple months before that though, the casket match with Yokozuna. Right, and uh, and again, like his, you know, might be another shit match, but his match at WrestleMania uh, nine. Yeah, Giant Gonzalez, right? To get chloroform. I like Giant Gonzalez, and he, it wasn't exactly a squash match by any means, but he beat the guy. Yeah, and right. this guy is fucking over eight feet tall. Not many people can make the Taker look small. Nope. And Taker and Taker beat him in this in this match. Yes, it's his only uh, disqualification victory, but it's a victory nonetheless. No, absolutely, man. This is the right number one. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I, I, I try. I tried to work here a couple days ago. I know, making you think that it wasn't going to be Taker, but uh, how how could it not? No, this you know this is it. This is the Undertaker for sure. Um, I think the placement of Bray Wyatt was perfect. I do think, though, there's one person that you should have on your list, and I think I would have put him at the number seven spot. Well, let's go straight into some honorable mentions, and you you tell, you tell start off by telling me who you think uh, I missed the boat on. Uh, it's going to be the guy whose music we played right at the beginning, Gangrel. I don't think Gangrel's left as much of an impact as anybody else on my list. People still talk about his entrance and his music to this day. The guy has legitimate shoot fangs in his mouth. He is a real life vampire. Uh, I think I think you got to have him on your list. Uh, my my you take. You asked me about career and skill because we both know that Gangrel can't fucking wrestle. No, he can't. He well, he was okay. He wasn't a bad hand. He was a great mid card, great mid card act for sure. 
but the, the it's horror theme gimmicks, right? Gangrel's a vampire, and and he pulled it off really, really good. And, well, and speaking of vampires, I think that there's another one that you can make a case to put on your list too. Uh, I would say maybe this is what I thought your tie was going to be. In all honesty, at number seven between Gangrel and Vampiro. Vampiro, I, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to go through my list here. Um, I told you privately that there was at least eight guys I was fighting for that spot, number seven. Yeah. Vampiro was one of them. Uh, Gangrel, Gangrel was one of them, but also the Brood in total. Okay, fair. What, what, what was uh, making its, uh, its, its way on my list. Um, James Mitchell. Almost yep. I've, got, I've got him on my honorable mentions. He was somebody that I was trying to to find a place for in my top seven. Uh, you know who I'm surprised that you didn't put on your list? Not because of the gimmick, per se, but just because I know you're a huge mark for him? Is Abyss. Uh, Abyss was never thought of for the actual list. He's one of the very first people to go on the, uh, on the honorable mentions, but he was never... Com- uh, I never even considered him for the list. Well, that's good. I, I didn't think you would have him on there, but I had a hunch you might squeak him on because I know you're a big mark for him. Now, I'm going to start off my honorable mentions with a guy that was on the original list and ended up getting pushed off, and I'm still wondering whether or not I made the right decision. Okay. But that's Matt Bourne's original incarnation of Doink. The oh, man. You know what? I thought that I was going to have the deep cut when I, I had that on my list as well. And I thought I was going to blow you away with that one. Yeah. He, doink, man. My original list, he started off as my number six. Okay. I would not have had a problem on, I, I had him kind of on my list. I didn't do a top seven, actually. Like I, I started to mess around with it and see if I could actually narrow it down to seven. I stopped very quickly because I couldn't, uh, but he was somebody I, I did try to get on my list as well. Um, that character was awesome, man. I'm still very much on the fence whether or not I made the right decision or not, but it is what it is. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's other fair. honorable mentions. I'll, I'll go through a bunch, and you tell me if I forgot any. Okay. Um, and I, if there's anyone I think that's worth talking about, I might stop you too. Absolutely. Um, uh, well, we already talked about Vampiro. Um, spoiler alert, we'll talk about more about Vampiro in a couple weeks. Yeah, two weeks to be exact. Um Second, second normal match for me is I want to talk about the original incarnation. Yes, he was kind of scary in WWE, but I'm talking Memphis days, Kamala. Yeah, he's on my honorable mention list as well. Uh, and to get a deep dive into the career of Kamala, head over to our YouTube page and check out the watch along that Mike and I did uh, on, on the career of Kamala as well. Uh, great, great gimmick. Um, we talked about Papa Shango. Now we're going to talk about his real life brother the boogeyman is that his brother is that shoot yeah dude i did not know that so uh papa shango is played by by charles wright yeah the boogeyman um, is played by marty Wright. yeah i'm clicking the last names together now i did yeah. not know that they were brothers they are rob is gonna oh, be so disappointed in me they would they would have been a great tag team too yeah, imagine Papa Shango on the. I can't believe they haven't done anything anywhere. I'll see if I can find it, but there is a great picture I got to send you. You know how when you go, sometimes you go to malls and they have those weird um, little like elephants or horses and they're motorized and you can ride them around the mall? Yes. There's Miracle a. Rounds? There's a. No, 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 no. Oh, Not the like the standstill ones? 
you can literally like ride it. It's like a little motorbike, but it's shaped like an elephant. Okay, no. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyways, they have them in certain malls. But uh, there's a great picture out there of Papa Shango in full Papa Shango gimmick uh, and Boogeyman in full Boogeyman gimmick riding those things around a mall. It's fucking That's cool. hilarious. Try to remember to post that on our on our social media. Okay. Now, a few of these, remember I said that uh, not all of them are scary. Some of them are just plain creepy, and, and, and it made the honorable mention list for that reason. All right. Um, one being Waylon Mercy. Okay, yeah. little. Uh, you could call him the father of Bray Wyatt, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Um, both characters very much based on uh, Robert De Niro's character in Cape Fear. Yeah. And if you want to talk from a shoot level, too, Dan Spivey in general is apparently a pretty fucking scary guy. Heard that. Uh, Marty the Moth. Oh, yeah, okay. Nice call. Um, is one of the- like that kidnapping angle with uh, yeah, Sexy with Star, the- right? Uh, yeah. One, and with Sexy Star, he is one of the creepiest characters in the history of that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice call on that. Nice cut. Nice cut. I like that. Uh, you mentioned this character before, but I got to say him again. Uh, we're talking about Viscera. Yep. Um, let's go along with, with Midian as well. Yep. Uh, next, again, you brought up this name, Abyss. Yep. Um, here's a name. I To this day, I don't know if he was meant to be scary or he just was, but I want to talk about Ox Baker. Hey, good call on Ox Baker. Like, he was legit fucking frightening oh big time man another guy i don't know if he was meant to be scary or just he he just was a scary human being and that's bruiser brody yeah uh and and i'll i'll just put one more name since we're talking about these guys i've got abdul the butcher on my honorable mentions yeah i would i would have got to abby eventually yeah uh Couple, a uh, couple on, on the women's side. We got Rosemary and uh, Sue Young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a throwback. Uh, the Wild Samoans. Okay, yeah, I'm uh, down with that. Or, or the the Samoan swap machine. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. I'm down with that okay. for sure. Uh, they were fucking scary, man. Especially the originals, man. Alpha and Sika. Exactly. Uh, speaking of scary. I, I don't know if he's supposed to be a scary guy, but I'm afraid that if I don't put him on the list, um, he'll track me down and kill me. Danny Franchise. And that, yeah. <laughs> Tommy Dreamer's terrified of his entrances every year. <laughs> uh, no, we're talking Meng, dude. Meng? Yeah, that's yeah. that's just like let's just say he's the number one. I I feel like I have, I should just start putting him on the list, no matter what we're talking about, every fucking week, so he doesn't murder us. Ming, you are the permanent number one every week. Again, not scary, but so incredibly creepy that it's scary. Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, okay. I'm down with that. This guy <laughs> scared the fuck out of me as a kid, okay? Watching the early WrestleManias, I was scared pissless of George the Animal Steel. I've got him on my list as well, man. Okay, Especially sure. his heel run. Yes. He was feuding with Bruno. Yeah. Um, Maurice Vachon. Mad Dog Vachon. Beautiful. The Missing Link. I've got him on my list as well. Raven. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
before I go to my very last one, one that I really want to dive into for a second, um, I want to throw in some dishonorable mentions. Oh, respect this. Uh, Mordecai. Yeah, so you can put Kevin Thorne in there. And well. Kevin Thorne. <laughs> so bad. And uh, we, we, I want to talk about the zombie. What is it called? The zombie? The, the ECW zombie. ECW zombie. And uh, we couldn't talk about the Halloween show without talking about the Yeti. The Yeti. Dry humping his way through everything. Right. I've got some more on my list. And this one actually comes uh, from Victoria, believe it or not. She contributed this week. Uh, we're going with uh, one I can't believe you didn't even mention. Uh, named after your son, the demon Finn Balor. No? Are you that disbelief? No. I'm, I don't know where Mike is right now. I'm going to bang out. Are you there? Oh, I lost you. Oh, sorry. Did you hear what I said? No, the last thing I said was uh, um, I, there's one more guy I want to talk about, but I want to hear if I missed anybody first. All right. Uh, well, what I said, what I said is the one that I uh, Victoria actually gave me this suggestion. And uh, Hillbilly Jim. what? Hillbilly Jim. Uh, it's not Hillbilly Jim. We're not talking about theme music this time. Uh, <laughs> it's one that I can't believe you haven't mentioned, and maybe it's the one that you're saving, but. Uh, uh, named after your son, the demon Finn Balor. Holy fuck. I can't believe that went over my head. Yeah, good good call. Good uh, call for you. I've got a few on here that you've missed, uh, that I think you've missed. Uh, going to FMW, I've got Leatherface. Yeah, I saw him on a bunch of other lists. He didn't make mine because I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, he's basically, uh, he's Corporal Krishner from back in the day. Yeah. And uh, I think he got fired from FMW for legit, like, going shoot in a death match and driving a nail in somebody's throat. Oh, fuck. Uh, I've got Luna Vachon. Yeah, okay. On my list. I also put Scary Sherry on there just because I love yeah. Sherry. Yeah, I thought about putting her on. I wasn't sure. Uh, another another woman I've got on there is Daphne. Yes. I love to Daphne and even throw Crowbar oh, yeah. in there as well. Yeah. Um, Crowbar, you can give Crowbar a little bit of love with the, with Daphne together. Okay. Uh, I I put the Crow version of Sting as well. Uh, not so much scary, but they, you know, the movie, the Crow. Uh, yeah, I see. I, it. I think it's worth an honorable mention, especially that original. You know, when he didn't talk for a long time and would just stand there and point the bat. He scared the shit out of Hogan. Very true. Uh, I put the Great Kabuki on my list as well, and uh, my last. My last honorable mention I put down was Broken Matt Hardy. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, that I wouldn't have thought of Matt Hardy, but I can see where you're coming from. I'm going in the Broken Universe. There, none of those would have made my list per se. Uh, I would have probably fought for Gangrel on the list. I might have made a case for the Boogeyman just because, like, I, it's kind of like Papa Shango, the gimmick. Suits exactly what we're talking about. Not, uh, not to be mistaken with the boogie woogie man. Not to be it's boogie woogie baby. Let's go. Love me some um, boogie woogie. Do, do we talk about the zodiac? Or... <sighs> yes. <laughs> Good job. I was waiting for you to say no. <laughs> oh yeah, fuck. I Come on, come on, man. All uh, right. Um, one uh, last one I want to talk about, and it's fitting. I want to talk about him. 
because we talked about ROH earlier. The guy I want to talk about didn't couldn't make my list and technically is not even worthy of my honorable mentions yet. The reason I want to talk about him is because in a year from now, everybody will be talking about him. All right, I think I know where you're going here. I want to talk about Vinny Marcella for a minute. Yeah, I almost put him on my honorable mention after after watching ROH today. Like, like, okay, I don't know if you were following last year around the um, uh, the what's the fucking final battle, whatever the hell they call that pay per view. Yeah. Uh, when he when he was fighting Taven. He started a character right after the kingdom broke up. He started doing this character and he's perfected it now. And he cut a promo on, on yesterday's show, um, which led to the return of Matt Taven to ROH. Um, his character has evolved into this almost Charlie Manson-esque guy. Uh-huh. And he is cutting some of the best promos in professional wrestling right now. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it for sure. I uh, I would have been happier if Taven didn't come out and fucking squash him. I mean, you got to give him his big comeback, get his heat back, right? Yeah, but they could have done it with with, with, with Vinny kind of playing the chicken shit heel, right? I mean, at least they made it look dramatic, though. He pulled up the ring and, and spiked him on the wood. Oh, it was not good, yeah. Yeah, like, that, I, I think if they would have left that, that I would have been fine. I thought the table was a little bit overkill. Yes, I agree. But the uh, especially when he's laying on the table, just yelling, "You don't have the guts to do it." Yeah, it, it was it was unneeded. However, the character itself, if they let this go, um, they let Vinny do what he's going to do with this. It's going to be big. Yeah, I can see it, man. I really, I really think so. I like Vinny. He's very. I liked him back in Kingdom. Um, I thought he was extremely talented, and he's just proving himself more and more. Um, the look he's got this, he's got this look of a. Charlie Manson meets Rob Zombie thing going on. Yeah, very cool, right? You know, we missed, we missed the name for the honorable mentions as well, eh? Who's that? PCO. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. PCO scares the fucking of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's terrifying. All right, man. Well, I, I give you a thumbs up on the list. I agreed with pretty much all of it this week. Not, no, I agree with most of it. I'll oh, give you I got, I got one more. One more. It's a deep cut. I can't believe I didn't forget. Uh, think of him, Canadian boy, not just Canadian boy. Our our neck of the woods. He's from right here in Orangeville. Uh, we gotta talk about Sin Bodhi. Yeah, good call. Good have call. you seen Have you seen the stuff Sin's been doing in the last couple of years? No, I, I know that his look has changed dramatically, and it is. Oh, yeah. He calls himself the Warlord of Weird. He he's doing this whole circus gimmick down south and in, in down in Las Vegas. He has a thing called Freak Show Wrestling. And it's fucking weird, but uh, it's very fucking cool too. I actually had a, I had a nice conversation with him many many years ago in Sudbury. He brought his freak show stuff to the school I went to. Cool guy, scary guy. Very cool guy. Very cool guy. All right. Well, I think that's going to put a bow on our top seven horror theme gimmicks of all time. As always, we want to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think. What should have been on the list? What shouldn't have been on the list? Uh, I was fighting for Gangrail. At least we played his music at the beginning, so I'll take that as a win for me. Um, <laughs> Mike, next week, we're giving you the week off, man. Oh, good. I'm sick of your voice. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we're giving you the week off because in two weeks, you're coming back with a with a pretty big list that you we need to do a little bit of deep research on. So mm-hmm. I'm giving you the week off, Mike. Uh, next week, we are going to be joined by friend of the show, Steve Bourne. 
Um, him and I actually did sit down about a month ago and recorded this episode, believe it or not. Um, so pre-warning, we recorded it before Bailey and Sasha Banks broke up. We actually reported it the night that they broke up. Uh, so I'll talk about that again next week in a little bit more detail. Uh, but Steve and I are going to be counting down the top seven Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Uh, Steve's a friend of the show. He is the host of the E8 podcast, uh, which is a, it's a fantastic podcast that we'll talk about next week as well. Uh, it, it was a fun conversation, man. Uh, I'm really looking forward for you guys hearing this one. Steve knows his shit. He, he's a very smart guy. Uh, his list is his list is good. Uh, Hell in a Cell is, uh, I think, is very fitting to talk about in the month of October, and it ties in because uh, next week is the Hell in a Cell pay per view as well. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe we will do a, um, I don't know, like a an Instagram live or some shit like that uh, right before that. Where you and I can uh, break down the uh, the Hell in a Cell card. Yeah, we could talk about that for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we could do something like that. I I'm I am still stealing you next week. We do need to record an intro still for the show. Oh, okay. So and maybe we'll take the extra time to get uh, one of the thousands of uh, watch alongs we need to do get done. That is definitely the plan. You and I next week are going to sit down and we're taking a deep look into the career of the Road Warriors for our watch along. I put together a tremendous video of some of their biggest matches. We're going to sit down for an hour. We're going to pay homage to the late Animal uh, as well as Hawk. Uh, probably the greatest tag team of all time. One of one of the top three greatest tag teams of all time, if not. Uh, we're going to take a deep dive into that. Hopefully we can get that up next week for you as well. Are we not uh, going to talk about Heidenreich? Heidenreich did not make the cut. No, absolutely not. No, uh, although Michael Cole's probably scared of him still. Fucking should be. Uh, and then, Mike, you're going to come back in two weeks for for a list as well, correct? I am, yeah. So should, what are we going with? we bury the lead, yeah? Yeah, we're going to bury the lead on it. We're going to wrap up Halloween month. So, uh, so my, our last Halloween list, um, I'm going to do the top seven Vampiro matches. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. And I'm going to try to watch his documentary before we watch that as well. It's on uh, Rogers on Demand, uh, The Nail in the Coffin. It looks spectacular. Have you seen his first documentary? No, I have not. Um, it came out in the early 2000s. I want to say 2003, maybe. Okay. Um, it, it is also very well done. All right. Well, I'm going to try to watch both of those. Uh, I have two weeks to do it, so I think I can manage that. Try to remember the name of that documentary. I want to say it's called Angel Demon or something like that, but it's well done. We'll use the Google machine to find that out, or we'll wait for Rob to tell us. Yeah. So, again, uh, Mike just wrapped up the top seven horror-themed uh, gimmicks of all time. Next week, myself and Steve Bourne are taking a deep look into the top seven Hell in a Cell matches of all time. And then to wrap up our Halloween month, Mike's coming back with the top seven Vampiro matches. Now, we talked about almost 40 different wrestlers today. If, uh, if we missed anybody, um, let us know. Yeah. Tell, uh, throw throw us a message on Facebook. Let us know if we forgot anybody that you think we should have talked about today for the scariest wrestlers of all time. Absolutely, man. Um, I got nothing more. I, I think I'm done rambling on today. What about you? You got anything you want to do before you take us home? Uh, no. Um, let's do it. I, on uh, in on behalf of uh, Prince, uh King Ikea. <laughs> what? <laughs> all right. On behalf of King Ikea, I respect it. I never put this together before. Was Prince Ikea uh, related to King Ikea? I don't think so. (laughs) 
I, I don't know, but some people will call his artist gimmick pretty terrifying too. Boom, same joke three times in one episode. Boom. Take me home, Mike. Until next time, my friends, we have been counted out. Cheers.